talking about the thing that killed the Golden 14, and that is the Lady Killers. I think it also kind of killed the Coen Brothers streak. I don't know. Intolerable cruelty isn't that good. Um, uh, starring Tom Hanks. He's getting top billing um, uh, as his moustache, and I don't know. We'll talk about that. <laughs> uh, it was released on the 26th of March 2004, the start of what I believe Queen Elizabeth would refer to as an animus horribilis. Um, it barely made money at the box office. Um, and joining me to talk about today, I have on two. Uh, hey, hey. I have Alistair. Greetings. And I have Saskia. Hello. So, I mean, obviously, you know, the last 14 episodes, I've been very much discussing the fact that Tom Hanks was on a streak. I mean, everything was certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> the audience scores were certified fresh. The IMDb scores never went below seven. Um, everybody loved all those films. Uh, you know, he won two Oscars. I think he got nominated for another Oscar. Everybody was winning Oscars. It's Saving Private Ryan, one of the rare cases up until recently where the director won and the f- picture didn't. Um, uh, you know, he did He did two films that got 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Toy Story and Toy Story 2. <laughs> um, and of course, in the future, he will do more. And then we run into the Lady Killers. And 54% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> I mean, 6.2 on IMDb, I guess, isn't too bad. Uh, and the audience score is 43%. Wow. Um, so, yeah, people. People just did not like this film. Uh, it barely made any money. Um, you know, I love the Coen brothers. You know, they're probably one of my favorite directors. I have all their films, including this one, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> Tell us about that, and... Darren, because you sent something to us in, in the chat in preparation for this episode, well, which was quite funny I, to me. I have all the Coen brothers films and I bought Lady Killers because I am a completist and it was in the cellophane for 10 years. I hadn't opened it. I'd said to my friend... I'm never going to open it, and I'm probably never going to watch this film. I just need to own it because then I have all of the Coen Brothers films. Does this mean it's uh, no although, longer a collector's item? <laughs> well, no. Unfortunately, it is. It is out of the cellophane, and I have watched it. Uh, and yeah, I mean, on the advice of my friend, he said it was shit, and he's like, "Don't watch it." And I was like, "Okay, well, I guess I'm not going to do that." And the weirdest thing is, after this, the Coen Brothers did like No Country for Old Men and uh, Burn After Reading, Serious Man, like. They did good films like straight after this. And Tom Hanks, uh, I don't know, he did The Terminal and Polo Express the same <laughs> year. So, And then he, he, then he kind of got stuck in this loop of doing sequels where he had a horrible wig. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, I don't know. I mean, you know, obviously I'll get into that more as, as we get into the, the episodes after this. But yeah, this like, it feels like after Catch Me If You Can, which by the way, got 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's how good wow. it was. Like, you know, he hit a peak. Uh, and then the funny thing is, like after this, he ret- like he he's never worked with Coen Brothers since. So I'm, you know, I'm guessing <laughs> read into that either what you he, will. <laughs> yeah, either he took it personally or they took it personally. But yeah, but you know, like after this, he goes like he goes straight back to Steven Spielberg. So like you know, he, he'll return to directors that he's worked with previously over the next kind of like you know uh, twenty years, and a lot of like it's just diminishing returns. I feel in terms of him working with different directors. Uh, there are a few bright spots, obviously, you know, worth talking about. Um, but 
like it just seems like after this I, I don't know he famously he kind of he did two flops one after the other he did joe versus volcanoes and bonfire of vanities they both came out in 1990 they made like no money you know bonfire of vanities but the weird thing is bonfire of vanities i think made more money than lady killers mm. um wow but like just it, like just two big flops and then he took a year off and you know there was a conversation he had with rita wilson where he was like i don't know why i'm acting like what am i doing with these films and then he became more careful about what scripts he picked and I don't know what happened like after after Catch Me If You Can, but he took another year off and then he came back and he seemed to have lost his instinct for picking good scripts. <laughs> uh, not to, in any way, prejudge this film. Um, <laughs> in no way. But... <laughs> so, so is it fair to say that yours is not a revisionist take on the conventional <laughs> wisdom on this film then, Darren? Well, I mean, we'll get into it as we go through because I think the thing is, you know, the Coen brothers aren't... Um, I don't know. Like, there's a there's a bunch of his films in the '80s that feels like slightly less successful, and the directors of those films are just like they're not names. Like, they're not people that you would really know the work of. Um, you know, I I I I don't think anyone would be able to tell you who directed Dragnet or Every Time We Say Goodbye or Nothing in Common. Like, Nothing in Common, I think actually is Gary Marshall. But like, you know, it's not a well-known Gary Marshall film because it isn't based around a, a particular holiday. Um, <laughs> but but like I you know so like. Yeah, so when when he failed with films in the eighties, people didn't really pay that much attention. But as soon as Lady Killers came out, most notoriously because obviously it is a remake of you know um, a nineteen fifty five Ealing comedy that I, apparently is beloved. I've never seen it myself, the original version. But you know, like the idea. Uh, I mean, as with any film that kind of gets a remake, and you know, literally as as we record this, the you know Candyman is in the theaters, and they've just said that someone's going to be playing Pinhead in a remake of uh, of uh, uh can I ask uh, so has has anyone here seen the original Lady Killers I have okay yes. <laughs> there we go so I, I will I will be the person who says this is yes, different and so on the original is very good I meant to rewatch <laughs> it in time for this and I really should have done but I didn't so my memories of it are hazy but I remember having a very good time watching it. Uh, because uh, yeah. it's an English film, I just assumed all three of you would have seen it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I think I think we're too young for the Ealing comedies to have been a staple. I think yeah. uh, the Carry On films is more of uh, more of what was on when we were younger. Um, well, well, you you say that, but. Uh, Saskia is is frighteningly younger than oh than yes, but I <laughs> I used to love the Carry On films and looking back, go. probably problematic. Don't know why I like them so much, <laughs> but every time they were on Channel Five or ITV, they were on. I was watching them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you know, so we're we're less Ealing comedies and more uh, Carry On, or or some of the uh, the seventies uh, sitcom films where they had like. For some reason, they were like, let's make four films based on on the buses. <laughs> and I'm like, that can barely sustain a 22-minute sitcom, let alone four full-length films. Um, but yeah, which in a weird way, not to get too much into on the buses lore, but um, the films effectively take place in a side universe that isn't connected to the TV show. Nice. But has the same characters. Yeah, it's very, very weird. Uh, but yeah, so like, <laughs> you know, uh, I'm just going to say you're alienating me with all this, like, esoteric sitcom talk. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have no idea what On the Buses is. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Well, there you go. Now that you've made me feel old. Um, 
yeah, so when it was proposed, like, they're going to remake The Lady Killers, obviously everybody was aghast. Um, and then it was announced, oh, the Coen brothers are going to do it. Well, which is a lie, because at first it was announced that Barry Sonnenfeld was going to do it. Um, and, you know, people were like, oh, well, you know, Barry Sonnenfeld's done some films. He's I mean, done Men in Black, which was, films. like, huge. Yeah. And then he did Men in Black 2, <laughs> which, which is what he would have been, you know. And then, uh, well, actually, the film he would have been coming off of was uh, Big Trouble. Um, which had some issues because it was about somebody, uh, it was about a plot with somebody trying to get a bomb onto a plane, and oh, its scheduled release yeah. was mm. September 2001. Yeah, so, that's, it, <laughs> that's, that's, well, I was going to say that's not going to fly, but maybe that's not the best choice. <laughs> well, yeah, so that, that film got pushed back into 2002, and when it came out, obviously it was not very successful. So, you know, around the time that that came out, Barry Sonnenfeld was looking for his next project, and remaking The Lady Killers was going to be it. Um, then I, something happened and basically he decided not to do it, but he's still on as a producer. Um, and he had actually done the cinematography for big. Um, so he did have some Tom Hanks, Hanks connection. Oh, cool. Yeah. And, um, and the Coen brothers obviously were coming off intolerable cruelty. The weird thing with the Coen brothers is they make a film and it's not very successful. <laughs> and so they then go in a completely different direction for their next film and it becomes a gigantic hit. And then people come forward and like, here's tons of money. Make your next film. We don't care what it is. And then that film isn't very successful. <laughs> and, then, and they get stuck in that cycle of, you know, making, you know, like, um, I mean, famously, Hudsucker Proxy made no money. It was a huge disaster. Um, but then, you know, they followed that up by making, um, I think it was Fargo was next. Um, but, you know, Fargo was a huge success. They get somebody gave him tons of money. And then Big Lebowski came out and he made no money. <laughs> and, you know. They 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 had like a huge success with our brother. Where are they? And then the man who wasn't there came out and basically lost money. No one knows <laughs> so, it exists. <laughs> yeah. Almost. So so then so then obviously they'd made intolerable cruelty. Um, and that that to this day I think actually it might might have been beaten by No Country for Old Men, but it was their highest grossing film. Made tons of money. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so. Off the back of that success, obviously, you know, um, and it's worth saying as well that, like, Jonathan Demme and Ron Howard were both going to direct Intolerable Cruelty, both of whom had previously worked with Tom Hanks. Which which sort of makes yeah. sense. Um, and so... Particularly Demme. Well, yeah, so the Coen brothers kind of came... That was the first film they'd ever done where they didn't write the script. And this is the second film where they didn't technically write the script, you know, like it's based on a previous film. Um, and so I, I don't know, it, it feels like they were in a bit of a weird place. Like they're trying to make, a, they're trying to follow up Intolerable Cruelty with something successful. Obviously they cast Tom Hanks, who, as I said, had just had 14, like only one of the 14 films didn't make any money. And that was that thing you do. Everything else where you put Tom Hanks name above the, the title, it made tons of money. Like, you know, six times the budget is generally the average. And so you would think that with, with the Coen brothers coming off their most successful film, and with Tom Hanks coming off his most successful run, um, and with this being a remake of a well-known film, but not too well-known. I mean, you know, I'm not sure in uh, 2004 how many people really had seen a film that at that point was 49 years old. Um, and I, I feel like, you know, we've at some point when it comes to remaking films, you've got to kind of be like, well, eventually somebody probably will try and remake a film. Yeah. Um, you know, you can't you can't kind of hold it up as no one's ever going to remake, you know, every film. Yeah. If it's a good idea. Yeah. And, oh, well, you know, the, the simple. <laughs> well, I mean, I, you know, the simple idea of the film, you know, this <laughs> film and obviously the original is just, you know, some incompetent criminals attempt to rob something. Um, and then 
they're unsuccessful or no they're successful sorry but then they 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 keep getting interrupted by an old lady that is the the kind of premise and <laughs> yep. um you know so i mean i think obviously after i don't know how many years is this uh, nearly two uh, decades darren yeah almost 20 years uh 20 years minus three so what 17 years <laughs> You know, it's kind of hard to come into this film without prejudging it in any way because, uh, you know, it has a reputation. Mm. Um, and, you know, I, the funniest thing is you could kind of tell when a film isn't super successful because on the DVD, um, when those existed, assuming people are listening to this in the future when DVDs <laughs> yeah. didn't don't exist, uh, of note, you cannot get the last Coen Brothers film on DVD. The Ballad of Buster Scruggs is not available on DVD. Um it has no quotes from anybody on, <laughs> like, on the like the DVD. The DVD cover literally. This is obviously the you know the English version. It just says the greatest criminal minds have finally met their match. That's the tagline. Just the tagline. <laughs> on the back, on the back, it's just like Academy Award winners Tom Hanks and filmmakers Joel and Ethan uh, Cohen. <laughs> sort of so leaning just, on former glories. Yeah, um, and then they, it says laugh out loud, smash it. Now I'm sorry, but it it just about doubled its budget that is not a smash hit in anyone's uh, concept that that's solid that's a pretty, pretty solid performance well it's enough to lose money let's put it like that um and it says the tagline okay. at the end of the this review that's on the back that's written by somebody working in the offices of um touchstone uh says the lady killers is nothing less than drop dead funny now i assume that is a reference to a plot point towards the end of the it film. Is, maybe. But maybe. But it's <laughs> like alerts. it's like I it's like I don't know. Like this does not encourage me, you know, and uh, you know the poster for it is just basically Tom Hanks with his mustache and his hair. And I'm like <laughs> in his Colonel oh, Sanders. Oh yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um so kind of it's it's weird as well because you know um Touchstone distributed this film and you know, Touchstone was the first kind of studio that Tom Hanks, you know, made a film with, with Splash. And that was the first film for that studio. So, you know, Touchstone is basically, you know, his, you know, his first kind of film studio, the one that kind of was, you know, built off the back of his success. And I guess he's coming back here to burn it all down. <laughs> um, so, um, but yeah, so, I mean, obviously the first time I saw this film was yesterday. Um because I'd had the DVD for many years. And as is tradition with this podcast, I generally watch the film very close to recording, sometimes minutes before I start recording, <laughs> um, so that the film is fresh in my mind. Um, so, you know, uh, I, I, I don't know that... I mean, you know, for the last kind of 14 episodes, there's always been some diehard people who've seen the films at the cinema and have been huge fans, and I've watched them dozens <laughs> of times. I don't know if that's going to be the case this time, but let's start with Onto. When was the first time that you watched this film? Uh, actually, just I got up this morning and put it on, so that, that was my experience with the movie. Uh, I, and again, referring to to our, our, our pre-chat, you... you didn't you say you have experienced the film? Witness I have this witnessed film. this yeah. movie, In all yes. caps. <laughs> uh, uh, and Alistair, I mean... Uh, yeah, first first time for me last night. And Saskia, are we all in the same boat here? Or is Saskia I... the diehard Lady Killers <laughs> fan who saw it at the cinema? I definitely didn't sit in the cinema because I was... 10 but i've i've seen it before yeah, thanks. i thanks, ten. i've seen it i've seen it before <laughs> i just did not remember a single part of it okay so so, so i watched it again last night so your <laughs> hank's love was enough that 
it had made you curious in the past. Oh yeah, I I only done. watched it because Tom Hanks was in it, but yeah. clearly did not remember a single <laughs> thing about it. Okay. <laughs> Wait, uh, did, did did you say you watched it at the age of ten? No, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was like. Uh, Jesus, no general <laughs> can see this. No, uh, no, no, no. Yeah. She was, she was saying she was too young to see it at the cinema, because see obviously it, over yeah, here cool. it is rated fifteen. Yes. On um, on on Disney right. Plus, it's actually rated as sixteen plus. It look, it's very weird. Although Amazon Prime has a tendency to do that as well, of like rating stuff like fourteen, and I'm like, what, we're going to make up our own ratings because, like, <laughs> yeah. why would we use this off-the-shelf rating system that already exists? And it has a lot of thought put into it. Because we'd rather do our own thing. Uh, yeah. Um, BBFC. Yeah, so, I mean, me. I, well, I mean, yeah. Uh, Destruction is everywhere. And are being trapped beneath the soul and nation great and small have not begun to fall oh come let us go back 